Praise the Lord, Tree of Life Church, and welcome to this evening's Bible study. We're so glad that you've tuned in. This brings back memories from last year, and uh, I announced it on Sunday, but I want to let you know as well, we are uh, in a position where we are going to have to take the next few Wednesday nights and uh, teach uh, Bible study online, and so we're going to be doing that. The reason is pertaining to our building program, and uh, the power is going to be cut off to the actual church building where we hold services uh, during the week. We will have power uh, at the building on Sundays by way of generator, but uh, we will not have access to the building during the week uh, for the next, looks like it's going to be for the next month and, and maybe a little longer than that, but we'll keep you posted. Uh, so in the meantime, we're just going to do on Wednesday nights what we uh, did last year, and that is gather together by way of online streaming and uh, look into the word of the Lord. I'm so thankful that you've joined tonight. I invite you to gather around and uh, let's take this time to really seek God, to really seek his word. And we, of course, are continuing our study uh, in the matter of walking through the Bible. We want to continue looking at the word of God and uh, chart our course through the Holy Scriptures. We've been reading the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is just absolutely fascinating. And it's something that we want to make sure that we stay focused on. Um, we've been in the book of Genesis, and we are, we're going to go ahead and finish up in the book of Genesis uh, tonight, Lord willing. I want to speak to you about the life of Joseph, and I want to read to you from Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. It simply says this, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. That verse of scripture perhaps puts the life of Joseph in a nutshell, uh, in a summary that we can look at and understand it, that, that yes, there was evil that was thought against him, that was brought against him by his own brothers, but that ultimately it was for the purpose of bringing to pass the will of God. And that is the blessing of the Lord. And that's something that we see from the life of Joseph. And I want to take a little moment here. And I want to talk to you about the life of Joseph from three vantage points. Number one, I want to talk to you about Joseph life, Joseph's life as it relates to uh, the nation of Israel. And I want to talk to you about Joseph's life as it relates to you and I and Joseph's life as it relates to Jesus. This is such an amazing passage of Scripture, such an amazing uh, Bible story, if I could say that. It's not just a story. It's the real life of a real man who suffered and who experienced some of the very, very traumatic uh, sufferings that Joseph experienced. When we look at the Word of the Lord and we see what all he went through, uh, it, it brings to our understanding the, the very powerful, powerful way in which God anointed him and the way that Joseph responded to that anointing. Of course, we must, uh, we must take a moment and recognize that uh, Joseph's life began uh, just right out of the gate. He was, he was destined for purpose. He was the firstborn son of Rachel. He was Jacob's favored son. We talked in our last Bible study about the children of Jacob, and we want to focus in on this 
particular child of Jacob because he is so very special and he matters so much. What he did matters so much in the grand plan of God. And so he is the firstborn son of Rachel, Jacob's favored son. Probably one of the ways that indicates the favor that Jacob had for Joseph is the coat that he made for him, the coat of many colors. And that coat that he placed upon him was his way of demonstrating his love, his affection, not just for Joseph, but the fact that this was Rachel's firstborn son. Rachel had a barren womb. And the fact that she could now bring forth children, famously, she basically grabs Jacob by the lapels and says, give me children else I die. And, uh, and Jacob loved Rachel. That's well documented in the scriptures. He wanted so much to have relationship with her, have children with her, raise a family with her. Of course, we know from our previous studies and from the word of the Lord that that was a long time uh, developing. The fact that he worked so hard for Rachel only to have Leah, he thought that that was such a disappointment in life, and yet Leah proved to be the most productive uh, in, his, in his life's journey. So many times that's the case. What we think is a disappointment often is the most productive. And that was certainly the case with Leah. He was disappointed that he, he had Leah, ended up with Leah after all this work, after all this effort. But when you're walking with God and when you're fulfilling his purpose, even what looks like a disappointment, just know that if God is in it, he's going to bring to pass productivity in your life. He's going to bring to pass fruit in your life. And that's what Jake, Joseph, Jacob experienced with Leah. He then, he and Rachel then uh, enter their marriage. Rachel has a barren womb, but then the Lord remembered her, the Bible says, and he gave to her a son, and that son's name was Joseph. Joseph meaning the Lord shall add to me another son, of course, which was a foretelling of Benjamin. And Joseph's life just starts immediately destined of God. He is known as the dreamer, the Bible indicates and shows us the dreaming that Joseph did. And the dreams were all just absolutely amazing dreams. They had to do with the future. They had to do with the way God was going to use him, not just him, but they had to do with, with the way that God was going to, to uh, produce Israel and protect Israel and generate Israel throughout the earth. And it also had messianic undertones. The fact that in this dream, the 12 tribes were, were bowing to him as sheaves and as stars, this has messianic undertones. Uh, immediately, you see that, uh, that this is the, the 12 and the 12. When the Bible speaks of 12 and 12, we take notice because there were 12 tribes of Israel and there were 12 apostles of the Lamb. So when we talk about 12 and 12 in the scriptures, we're looking at the whole house of Israel, not just the natural branch or the natural vine, but we're looking at those that are grafted in to the, to the house of Israel, to the bloodline, to the covenant of God. And so this dream that he had, the sheaves and the stars, the sheaves are earthbound, the stars are celestial. This is, again, a a reference to the way God was going to, to develop his people. God's people are not just people that are of the earth like the sheaves, but they're also, they're also a spiritual and they're of a, of a celestial nature, if you please. The fact that, the fact that, 
that God is going to bring forth children and, and he's going to do so in a spiritual way through the new birth, not just a natural birth unto Abraham, but, but a new birth. That's, that's the way you enter into the kingdom of, of heaven is through the new birth, born of the water and born of the spirit. Joseph was seeing dreams of this even as a young man. Now, he was the center focus of those dreams, and that made his brothers envious. That made his brothers uh, look at him out of the side of their eye, if you please, uh, because they didn't appreciate that here he is, the main character in all his dreams, and, and he's going to be worshipped by the sheaves, and they're the sheaves, and they're gonna, he's going to be worshipped by the stars, and they're the stars, and uh, that bothered them. But really what Joseph was seeing is that he was going to be the centerpiece, not just because he was the main character of his dreams, but because his life was going to follow the pattern of the life that Messiah would live. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But, but the reason he was going to be bowed to in his dreams and in the ultimate culmination of his life is because he had, he had to bear the responsibility of doing messianic-like work. Everything that he did was going to end up being very similar to what Messiah would do, not just for the nation of Israel, but for, for all the world. So Joseph's life begins with destiny, but with a great deal of adversity because he was hated by his brothers. And, and one particular day while his brothers were gone and his father had sent Joseph to, to go to them, the father sent Joseph to the brothers, he happened upon them, and when they saw him from a far way off, they conspired to slay him. They said, Behold, the dreamer cometh. Let us slay him, and we'll see what becomes of his dreams. They were then talked out of slaying him by one of the brothers, and they then sold him into slavery. And when they sold him into slavery, he was cast into a pit. They sold him for 20 pieces of silver. He was taken off into slavery. They took the coat of many colors, ripped it and dipped it in blood, told his father that this was the evidence that Joseph was dead, and Jacob grieved the death of Joseph, really from that day forward, uh, until he saw Joseph again. And Joseph was living a parallel life in Egypt while the brothers were living their life, while Jacob was living his life, Joseph was deprived of those precious years. It was a, a travesty. It was a tragedy. It was evil, as Joseph would later call it. It was evil what his brothers did to him. And yet all of it was being purposed by God to bring about his glory, to bring about his purpose. And that's what we have to, to do. So we have to understand that anything we go through, when we put our hand in the hand of God, when we walk the path of God, that God is in control, that God is working things together for his good, and we can trust in him. So how does Joseph's life relate to Israel? Well, he set the path for Israel to be preserved as a nation. Israel was a family at this juncture. They were a family. They weren't, they weren't the nation that we know them to be now. They were merely a family, a man by the name of Jacob, whose name was changed by God to the name Israel, was raising his family. Now, there was a contention among the brothers. The brothers turned on Joseph, sold him into slavery, put him into uh, Egypt as a slave. And while he's there, 
He is, again, there's destiny on him. There's anointing on him. He is used of God in a, in a great capacity. And, and everything he touches seems to turn to gold. Everything that he applies himself to do, uh, it, it just seems to work out for the good. So, so he finds himself prospering. He's living in the house of Potiphar, and he finds himself prospering in the house of Potiphar. Potiphar's wife accused him, made advances toward him that he resisted and rejected. His, his reasoning said was simply that I cannot do this great wickedness before my God. There was no commandment yet given that thou shalt not commit adultery. So there was no, there was no law, if you please, that was trying to hold him in a place of integrity. The law was inside of him. He had an integrity about him that was devoted to God. And he said, law or no law, I cannot do this great wickedness before my God. And he resisted the advances of Potiphar's wife. This, of course, angered her, and she accused him of assaulting her. And this accusation stuck. Potiphar believed it. Others believed it. And they, they brought charges against Joseph. Joseph was cast into prison. He was an innocent man cast into prison for a crime he did not commit. And there he is now in the prison suffering for something he was innocent about. And while he's there, he meets the butler and the baker to Pharaoh. They are cast into the same prison. He's there with the butler and the baker. The Bible says that he preaches to them or he interprets their dreams. And when he interprets their dreams, the dreams come to pass just like he said they would. The butler brought to him his dream and the baker brought to him his dream. He prophesied that the baker's dream meant that the baker would die in three days. He prophesied that the butler's dream meant that he would be exalted in three days. And that's exactly what happened. Three days later, the baker was dead and the butler was exalted. And when the butler and the baker were taken out of the prison, Joseph said, don't forget me. Remember me when you were coming to Pharaoh. But the butler forgot him. For two years, he forgot him. And Joseph languished in that prison while the butler is now in, back, restored, exalted in the house of Pharaoh until Pharaoh had his own dream. This dream that Pharaoh had was a very revelatory dream, and he could not make sense of it. Nobody could make sense of Pharaoh's dream. It had to do with seven fat cows and seven lean cows, seven plump ears of corn and seven thin ears of corn. And the seven lean cows and the seven thin ears of corn were, those, were the ones that prevailed between the, the seven and the seven. Pharaoh didn't know what this meant, but Joseph stood up and said that the seven fat cows and the seven full ears of corn represent the fact that there are going to be seven years of plenty. And the seven lean cows and the seven thin ears of corn represent the fact that there are going to be seven years of famine. And the seven years of plenty, God is giving us a heads up that plenty is coming. And when it comes, don't take it for granted. Don't abuse it. Don't misuse it. Don't be a good steward of it. In fact, be disciplined 
about everything that comes in during those seven years of plenty because you're going to need it in the next seven years, which represents seven years of famine. And everything that was set aside in the seven years of plenty, you're going to need every last penny. You're going to need every last kernel of corn because God is giving us a heads up, Joseph is telling Pharaoh, so that we can be prepared for the famine that is coming. When those seven years of plenty came, Joseph, who was taken out of the prison by Pharaoh, exalted to the governorship of Egypt, and now he is the steward over all of Pharaoh's house and is responsible for taking those seven years of plenty and making sure that Israel is being wise about how they handle this great plenty that is on its way. And he does a remarkable job, and it's... it's a remarkable process, and he practices such execution, such excellent execution of this responsibility of taking these seven years of plenty and appropriating these resources the way they need to be appropriated. And it sets the stage then for the seven years of famine, the seven years of famine that come onto the scene. Egypt is prepared. And they're prepared because Joseph was prepared. And Joseph was prepared because God had set him up and positioned him perfectly. Look at the handiwork of God, how God orchestrated this whole journey. All of the false accusation was a part of the journey. All of the languishing in prison was part of the journey. All of the, of the being sold into slavery was part of the journey. Everything Joseph experienced was a part of the journey that put him in position to interpret Pharaoh's dream and then actually steward the process that allowed Egypt to be in position to have seven years of plenty completely allocated, appropriated, accounted for so that when seven years of famine came, not only was Egypt in a position to thrive, the whole world was in a position to thrive because of the man of God, Joseph, who was a man of destiny, a man of anointing. It's an amazing story. And, it, and as it relates to Israel, it allowed Israel to become the nation God always said it would become. God gave promises to Abraham. God gave promises to Isaac. God gave promises to Jacob. And yes, God gave promises to Joseph and to all the sons of Jacob. But when famine came, it looked to Jacob and the rest of his sons like all of those promises would come to naught because they were going to die. They were going to die because of the famine that was coming. But God had positioned Joseph, had put him in a place where he could prepare the way for Israel to thrive and to persevere. And that's exactly what happened. The Bible says that when they heard there was corn in Egypt, that Jacob sent his sons and said, go get the corn that is in Egypt. Jacob wasn't the only one. The whole earth was flowing unto Egypt. And so Joseph's life, as it relates to Israel, the preservation of the promised people, it was amazing what God did. And God was going to bring Israel all together. And we call them Israel. Again, when we say that, we give the impression that we're talking about a nation. At that time, we're not talking so much about a nation. At that time, we're talking about a family. We're just talking about 12 brothers and their kids 
and Jacob sending them to Egypt. They arrive in Egypt as, as a family, but God was going to, to, to establish them over the course of 400 years. And yes, they were going to be brought into slavery as it would turn out. But over the course of those years in Egypt, this family grew and grew and grew and multiplied and developed, and they became a nation. They, did, they just didn't know they were a nation until it was time to come up out of Egypt. And when they came out of Egypt, they came out multiplied. The tribes were, were strong and thriving, and that all developed because Joseph was sent by God through the evil that he experienced, he was sent by God into the land of Egypt to prepare a way for Israel. So that's how the life of Joseph relates so importantly to the nation of Israel. And today, Israel stands strong in the land of promise that God gave to their father Abraham. They stand strong because of a, of a man named Joseph. And the bloodline for Messiah was preserved. The bloodline for Messiah was preserved through a man named Joseph. So Joseph's life as it relates to the nation of Israel. The, Joseph, the life of Joseph as it relates to you and I is very important. It, what a lesson it teaches us. So many lessons in this life. Number one, the lesson is that God favors you. God sees you as special. God absolutely wants to give you the coat of many colors. You see, you're Joseph. You may not feel special, but God sees you as that. I love what he said to the prophet Jeremiah. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. And that's how God sees you. God knows you and God knew you before he formed you and he has ordained you unto his glory. God has a plan for your life. Yes, he does. God has a plan for your life. Just as Jacob favored Joseph, God has a favor and a grace and a, a power and a love for you. Regardless of how you may feel about yourself, God favors you. He wants to pour his blessing upon you if you'll let him. He loves you with an everlasting love. And so God wants to, God wants to put his coat of many colors around you. He wants to pour out his love and his blessing upon you. And he will begin to speak to you just as he did Joseph. God will begin to deal with the hearts of men and women at young ages. God will begin to speak to them. And this is why we preach the word of God to whosoever will. This is why we have children's ministry. Because God, I'm telling you, God is speaking to children's hearts and will minister to them. And listen, we have to be ever so focused because the enemy has targeted children. The enemy has, has set his sights upon children and upon young people and is doing his level best to try to tear them down and prevent them from knowing who God has always anointed and ordained them to be. But I want you to know God has a plan for every person that lives, and we've got to get that message to people when they're young before the enemy comes in like a flood, before the enemy gets his stranglehold on their life, we've got to get that message to them as soon as we possibly can, that there's hope in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That the grace of God is sufficient. 
hallelujah, that there is a new birth experience that brings salvation to all who will, who will believe it and all who will experience it. Amen. So how does Joseph's life pertain to you and I? Integrity, devotion to God. This is the cornerstone of Joseph's life. He never lost his faith in God. When he was betrayed by his own brothers, he never lost his faith in God. When he was cast into a pit, he never lost his faith in God. When he was struggling with understanding, why would God give me dreams? Why would God set me up for success? And then I come crashing down. So many times people have questions of why did God allow this to happen? Why did God allow that to happen? And it's a real challenge to people's faith when they ask the question, why did God allow certain things? Now, Joseph, I'm sure, wrestled with those questions, but it never did steal from his devotion to God. All through his life, he remained devoted to God. And I want you to know that God is the one constant that you can always depend upon. When everything else changes, God will never change. When everything else shifts under your feet, God will remain the same, the strong foundation upon which you can stand. And so this is what Joseph found, that when he was in the pit, he still had God. When he was in slavery, he still had God. When he was falsely accused, he still had God. When he was languishing in prison, he still had God. Hallelujah. When, his, when, he, was, when he was at the right hand of Pharaoh, exalted, to this governorship, he still had God. Some of you don't realize until you go through the struggles of life that regardless of what may come your way, you'll always have God. And he will always be there to give you peace if you call on him. He'll always be there to bless you if you'll trust in him. And Joseph teaches us that. How he relates to us is hold on to God. The old song says, hold to God's unchanging hand. Time is filled with swift transition, not of earth unmoved can stand. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Praise the Lord. And that's exactly what Joseph did. And that's exactly what you and I have to do. So when he goes through this experience of life, he never loses his not only his faith in God, but his consecration to God. Here he is in the house of Potiphar. These advances are being made from Potiphar's wife. Joseph could have justified in his own thinking that I can do whatever I want to do because my life hasn't turned out the way I wanted it to turn out anyway. So, so why wouldn't I just do whatever I wanted to do? I got to give a great big commendation to Jacob for the way he raised Joseph because Joseph is out in the middle of nowhere spiritually, it seems, and yet he remains devoted to God and his reasoning for not giving in to the advances of Potiphar's wife is simply, I cannot do this great evil before my God. <laughs> it was tied to his devotion to God. If you can get your devotion to God, if you will devote your heart to God, devote your life to God, dedicate everything you are to God, he will keep you in the day of temptation. He will keep you when the lusts of your flesh seek to overtake your life and prevent you from entering into the glory of God. Imagine, if you will, if Joseph had given up hope in the pit, given up hope in Potiphar's house, given up hope in prison, and just went the way of the world, 
Israel is not preserved. God has to find another way for the bloodline of Messiah to be secured. But as it turns out, Joseph did exactly what the Lord wanted him to do. He was obedient. He was dedicated. He didn't turn on God. He didn't turn his back on the things of God. And as a result, Joseph stands strong as a testimony to you and I that regardless of what we may face, we can make it. And what are we making it for? Well, I'm going to tell you, you're making it for your family. You're making it for the future. You're making it for your own salvation. you got to make it. You can't let this trial get you down. You can't let this moment come to you and put a stranglehold on your walk with God. You need to walk in the integrity of the Spirit of God and say, I cannot do these great wickednesses before my God. I cannot turn my back on the things of God. God's been too good to me. I've got a dream. You've got, you've got to get a vision in your head about what the Lord's will is and let that sink in and let that settle you and let that get in your heart and let that hold you through every trial of your life. That's what Joseph did. And that's how Joseph relates to you and I. And that's how Joseph relates to Israel. So the way he relates to Israel is he preserved Israel. He found a way not only to preserve Israel, but to, but to bless the whole earth. Do you know one of the promises that God gave to Abraham is he said in, that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, this is one example of how that promise from God came to pass. All the nations of the earth were blessed through the seed of Abraham. Of course, we know that it wasn't just in this moment, but that has continued to be the case, and primarily through Messiah. Messiah would come through the seed of Abraham, and all the nations of the earth have access to the blessings of God through Messiah through Jesus Christ. And so Israel was blessed by the life of Joseph in that it was preserved in a time of famine. The bloodline of Christ was preserved. Abraham, seed, the seed of Abraham, the seed of Isaac and Jacob that would produce Messiah was preserved through the life of Joseph. And then we to this day glean wisdom and we glean understanding and we glean the principles of integrity and walking with God despite the adversity and despite the circumstances, we glean that from the life of Joseph. Now, I want to tell you another way that Joseph's life relates to us, and this is probably one of the most profound ways, in the area of forgiveness. There, there may not be, with the exception of Jesus himself, there may not be a greater story of forgiveness than is, is seen in the life of Joseph. He had every opportunity to hold a grudge. He had every opportunity to be bitter. He had every opportunity to withhold good from those who were seeking some kind of help. They were in dire need, and the one they betrayed was the only one who could help them. He literally had their lives in his hands. His brothers came back to him, not even knowing it was him. He was disguised, if you please. They didn't know, they did not know whether he lived or died. Maybe they began to believe their own lie that he was dead. But regardless of whether he was dead or alive, they were never going to see him again, sold into slavery. 
He was going to be way off somewhere. They never dreamed they would come in contact with him again. And here they are in need of mercy. And the very one they betrayed was the only one who could give them mercy. And they thought for sure he wouldn't, and he did. He did give them mercy. Not only did he give them mercy, but when Jacob died, see, they always wondered if maybe his mercy was predicated on Jacob being alive. That's sometimes what we do with the mercy of God. We think that the mercy of God, the love of God, is based on some kind of favorable circumstance. And if that favorable circumstance wasn't the case, then God wouldn't love us. But I want you to know that God is love and God does love you. And if you'll receive that and obey his word, then the greatest blessings of, of, of life and eternity await you. Genesis chapter 50, notice what he says in verse 21, reading on. Therefore, fear ye not, listen to this, I will nourish you. I will nourish your little ones. He comforted them and he spake kindly unto them. That's Joseph to his brothers. These are the ones that betrayed him. These are the ones who sought to kill him. Selling him into slavery was their idea of mercy. They wanted to kill him. But then they, they opted for the, in their minds, the lesser evil, evil nonetheless. And, and Joseph, when he had an opportunity to take vengeance upon them, he did not. He spake kindly unto them and said, I will nourish you and I will nourish your little ones. Man, my goodness, what we can learn from that. Listen, when vengeance is in your hand, when you can pay somebody back for some ought that they brought against you, don't do it. Don't do it, forgive them. Forgive them the way the Lord forgave you. Praise God. Forgive them for the, the way the Lord forgave you. Jesus said this new law I give you. He said, this is the law you have. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He said, but I'm gonna give you a new law. I want you to love people the way I love you. He was teaching them how to love their neighbor as their self. He was teaching them how to love by loving them. That's why I say, let God love you, receive the love of God. Listen, if you'll really, truly, genuinely receive the love of God, then you will know how to love other people. You will know how to forgive. In fact, people who cannot forgive, people who will not forgive, people who will not love enemies and bless those who persecute them and pray for them which despitefully use them, those who do not do that and will not do that, it is because they have not properly received the love of God for themselves. Because if they had received the love of God for themselves, then they would know what love is and they would extend it to others. Praise God. So what do we learn? How does Joseph's life relate to you and I? Integrity, devotion to God, despite our circumstances, and forgiveness. Forgiveness. Just forgiveness. But, but what, you don't know what they did to me. I know what Joseph's brothers did to him, and he forgave them. I know what we've done to Jesus, and he forgives us. Release, release people from the ought that, that maybe you feel justified in having toward them, and you'll feel so good. It'll be a weight lifted off of your shoulders. If you think being forgiven 
feels great, wait till you try being forgiving. Being forgiving is the greatest joy that you'll ever experience. It's knowing the love of God on a whole new level. Being forgiven by God, yes, that's a, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But being forgiving of others, ah, there's just nothing, nothing quite like it. So Joseph's life relates to us by what we learn from him, and we can apply those things to the trials that we face and that we experience. How Joseph's life relates to Jesus, it's such a, a, a close pattern to the way that the life of Jesus is lived. And I wanna bring out just some, the, just some points that are so similar. Joseph was sent to his brothers by the Father. Jesus was sent to Israel by the Father. Joseph spoke of things that his brothers did not understand. They were heavenly things. They had to do with God's kingdom and his brothers did not understand them. Jesus spoke of heavenly things that Israel did not understand. Jesus spoke of things pertaining to God's kingdom and Israel did not understand them. Because the brothers did not understand what Joseph said, they envied him, they misunderstood him, and they hated him for what they thought he was saying. Same with Jesus. When Israel heard him speak, when the Pharisees particularly heard him speak, they hated him. They didn't understand the things that he was saying. They were projecting themselves onto this man. Joseph was innocent of what he had been accused of. Jesus was innocent of what he had been accused of. Now Joseph was not sinless because Jesus is the only one who is sinless. But Joseph is one of the few characters in the Bible that has as much written about him and, and there's never a sin written that he committed. And, and Jesus, there certainly was no sin in him. He was absolutely sinless. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. Jesus was betrayed by Israel. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver by, his, by, by Judah, by his brother Judah. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver by his disciple Judas, which is the New Testament version of Judah. It was the price of a slave. Jesus was sold for the price of a slave, just as Joseph was sold into slavery. Joseph's coat was ripped and dipped in blood. Jesus' flesh was ripped and pierced and covered in blood. Joseph was cast into a pit by himself. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane by himself. Disciples didn't go with him. They fell asleep while he was in the garden of Gethsemane. Joseph preached to the butler and the baker in the prison. Jesus preached to the spirits in prison. Just as Joseph was cast into the pit, Jesus was cast into the pit of death after Gethsemane. Joseph preached to the butler and baker in prison. Jesus preached to the spirits in prison. Joseph came out of the prison. Jesus came out of the grave. Praise the Lord. Joseph was exalted to the governorship of Egypt. Jesus was exalted to the majesty on high. Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. Jesus will reveal himself to Israel. 
And if you have had Jesus reveal himself to you, you ought to thank God every day that he has revealed himself to you and that you know who Jesus is. I'll never forget meeting a lady. One time, we had visited her restaurant a number of times. We witnessed to her. When we witnessed to her, there was a language barrier. and We were trying to use a word that she would understand. She didn't know what a church was. She didn't know who Jesus was. She didn't know that, that there was a thing called Christianity and that there was a place where people believed that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and have been saved from their sins. And it occurred to me that day and, and it's so many times before how blessed we are, how blessed we are to know who Jesus is, how blessed we are to know the power of his word, to know the power of his salvation. Jesus revealed himself to us and he's going to reveal himself to Israel just as Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. Joseph is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Joseph did for Israel what Jesus does for the whole world and what Jesus does for the church. Praise God. Whatever famine, whatever famine, you're experiencing. Let Jesus provide to you the plenty that will be the solution to that famine. Because I'm going to tell you something. He has already provided everything that anybody ever needs, anybody in all the world, whatever you need, Jesus has it. Jesus has it. It's in him, in him, in him. The Bible says the promises of God are in him, yea and amen. Praise the Lord. So this is a foreshadowing of the life of Jesus. And Joseph, I, I'm going I'm to say this. I believe that Joseph understood that. I believe he understood that his life was foreshadowing the life of Messiah. I believe that anchored him. I believe that was the faith that anchored him. I believe that that seeing of the vision of the, 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 the 12 stars and the 12 sheaves, that he was understanding that Messiah is going to come. I believe that's how he made it through all that he went through, was that he knew I cannot give up. There's a lot riding on me. There's a lot depending on me. There are a lot of people who need me. This is how he rose above the temptation to hold a grudge and say, no, I will nourish you and your little ones. I'm going to bless your whole family. And when you truly get a faith in Jesus Christ, you too will know that your life mirrors his. That's what he wants to do. He wants your life to mirror his. Joseph understood that. You've heard me teach before that anything God created, it was to demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether it's the day that, that is birthed as a sunrise and is lived as, a, as daytime and it dies as nightfall and is buried as the darkness of night, only to rise again the next morning. That's, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ being declared from the heavens. Day into day utter speech, night into night shows knowledge. Everything God created was created to show forth his glory. That's why he called everything that he created good, 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 good. Everything was good. Everything that he created, he called it good. The gospel means good news. The gospel is good. Everything created was good. Everything created is to demonstrate the gospel, which is the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
This is why the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. This is why all things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. And Joseph, I believe, understood that about his life, that his life was working for the good. What is the good? The good is the gospel. That's the good, the good news. And so this is, I believe, what he saw in the butler and the baker. He saw the, the life of Jesus. He saw the life of Messiah playing out in their life. This is where the three days comes from. In three days, he said to the butler, he said, look, he said, I see your dream. The man said, in my dream, there was a vine. In the vine, there were three branches. And it was as though it budded and blossoms shot forth and the clusters were brought forth, ripe grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. I took the grapes, pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said, this is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. We know who the vine is. Jesus said, I am the vine. And he said, the branches are three days. In three days, you're going to be exalted to the, to the right hand of Pharaoh. You're going to be exalted to being the butler in Pharaoh's court. The baker comes up and says, I too had a dream. And he said, in my dream, he said that there was a, a, a basket three baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, uppermost basket, there was all manner of baked meats and the birds did eat them out of the basket on my head. And said, what is it? Joseph said, those three baskets are three days. And he said, those three days and the birds eating the meat is, is evidence that, that you're gonna die in three days. And so the baker received an interpretation that in three days he was gonna die. The butler received an interpretation that in three days he was gonna be exalted. That's a picture of the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus, in three days, he was dead and buried, but rose from the dead. That all occurred within a three-day period. Joseph looked at the butler and baker, and he could see in the butler and baker, he could see the life of Messiah. And that's how you have to look at your life. Understand, look, there are going to be times in my life where I'm demonstrating his life. There are gonna be times where I suffer with him and there are gonna be times when I rise to walk in his power. But whatever area of life that you are demonstrating the gospel, serve God in it. Live for God in it. If it's an era or an area of going through false accusation, if it's an era or area of going through languishing, for no reason at all, if there's an era or area of time or life where you're betrayed by your own brothers, just understand that God has a purpose and he's working all things together for the good. Hold on, hold on with everything you have because there's coming a day. Hallelujah, we know that the gospel story does not end at the cross. It ends in a glorious resurrection. And it's going to come a day when you come up out of that grave, when you come up out of that prison, when you come up out of those circumstances and you rise in power with God. I want to encourage you today through the life of this great man, Joseph, as we conclude this, this book of Genesis, I want to encourage you today to live life unto God and knowing that every day you live, the gospel is going to be demonstrated whether it's a good day or a bad day.
This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Before I let you go, let me tell you one really amazing thing because we're going to close out the book of Genesis. Joseph, before, he, before his father died, Jacob, he brought to him his sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. He wanted them to be blessed by his father. Manasseh and Ephraim are brought to Jacob. And Jacob leans up long enough to bless these sons. And the Bible says that he put out his hands toward them and that he crisscrossed his hands. He put his right hand upon the younger son and he put his left hand upon the older son. The right hand was to be on the older son and the left hand was to be on the younger son. That's the way the blessing works. But as Jacob was going toward them, he crossed his hands and he put his right hand upon the younger and the left hand upon the older. Joseph saw it and he tried to correct him. He said, no, no, dad, I, I know you don't know who they are, but you've got your hands on the wrong son's heads. I want you to bless them this way. And Jacob said, no, no. He said, I know what I'm doing. And he said, and the younger son, the older son is going to be a great, is going to be great. And he will bring forth thousands. But the younger son, is who's going to be blessed to a greater degree and he'll, and, and he'll bring forth 10,000s. Now, that's what we understand. Again, we see a picture of Christ here. The older son, Adam, the second man, Adam, Jesus Christ. The older sons, Joseph's brothers, Joseph being the younger son. The older son being Esau, the younger son being Jacob. The older son being Ishmael, the younger son being Isaac. The older son being our flesh, the younger son being our spirit. This is why the Bible says the elder shall serve the younger. This is because this that is born of God is to be of a greater degree and will be to a greater degree blessed than that which is born of the world, that which is born of the fallen nature. When you were born again, and if you haven't been born again, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. God wants to forgive you of your sins. God wants to take you to waters of baptism in His precious name. When you're born again, that that is born of the Spirit is going to be more greatly blessed than that which is born of flesh. Today is the day of salvation. God has a blessing for you. God has a blessing for your life. I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to know God wants to put his right hand of blessing on you and he wants to take you through every challenge or every struggle you'll ever face in the name of Jesus. And he wants to cause you to rise to walk with him in newness of life. Amen. Could you pray with me right where you are? If you could just bow your head and let's pray together in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this time we have today to share your word. I ask in Jesus' name that you will move wherever a person may find themselves right now. I pray that you'll move upon them. I pray that your word will go forth and accomplish that where to it is sent. Lord, I pray that we can learn and grow from your holy word, how to live, how to be strong, how to thrive. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray Lord, that the same integrity that Joseph demonstrated will be demonstrated in our lives. Lord, that the same forgiveness that he showed to others, that we would show to others. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, that just as Joseph lived out his life faithful to you, may we live our lives faithful to you. Preserving, preserving 
the great heritage that you have given to us, just as Joseph did. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday at 10.30 a.m. God bless you in Jesus' name.